Hey guys, real quick break. Wanted to tell you about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place. The cool thing is it's actually for free, which you can use right from your phone, your computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll also distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard everywhere from Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Easily make money from your podcast. No minimum listenership. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. Well, dude, thank you so much for taking time out of your uh, day to jump on a call. I appreciate it. Oh, man. Look, dude, it's my pleasure. I I, it, I was honored to even be asked. I think it's really cool of you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're an entrepreneur. You're a public speaker. You're a husband, a father, <laughs> self-proclaimed, tacotarian. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. That's awesome. I'm so honored to have you on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the people that uh, you've interviewed and just the story, the stories that you helped share, you know, that's what connects us. And that's what I love about social media. You know, I've, that's, I think one of the greatest gifts we've had as a society is, you know, we, we, we got to know our neighbors and we got to know a few people in our lifetime, but to connect at scale is just amazing. You know, I remember back in the AOL days and yeah. logging on and when I got the disc in the mail, <laughs> <laughs> with my old school Dell laptop and uh, you know, I'm in a chat room with people in New York or wherever. And yeah. that's when this light went off going, Oh man, our world is changing. Like the degrees of separation is now one to two. It's just yes. amazing. But as much as there is that, the fact that you can actually get to know people, that is, I mean, to think about it, Eric, I mean, you and I connected from a post on Instagram, we've never known each other. We don't even have the same like in-person contact, same circles. There's sure. probably a nano degree that we would ever cross paths. Yeah, and here we are. That's like it's mind blowing, you know. Absolutely, so it's, it's cool, man. I, I I really do appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Now I was reading on your website. You say that you come from a lineage of entrepreneurs and innovators. I mean. Would love to hear your story, man. Were your parents or grandparents entrepreneurs or were you always kind of just pushed towards the entrepreneurship side of things? It was my mom's side and the okay. family uh, immigrated from Austria in the mid 1800s and they were bakers. And so there's a photo. Oh my gosh. Uh, my uncle has it and it was Frauhofer Baking in Yorktown, Pennsylvania. And the original building is still there. It's no longer wow. a baking company, but they you know, just started growing the company. And during the depression, uh, when the economy crashed, uh, you know, they would do home deliveries in a horse drawn wagon and they were doing, doing bread trucks and it was donuts and bread and, you know, baked goods, right? Carbs. And yeah. it came to the point where people weren't able to pay. Well, the mantra of the company from the top down was, it doesn't matter. We're still going to make sure that our customers get their bread, that they get their wow. donuts, that they get their thing. And so brands that, that, find a core value and it's not because it sounds great for a commercial but it's because that's the belief of who they are that's why the company was so successful up until it was bought by a conglomerate in i believe it was the late 70s early 80s it's okay. still a brand uh, you can still get fropper cookies and stuff like that but up in the northeast up there in that region of the country was the equivalent of mrs baird's baking in the south you know uh, we have a lot of different brands now but and so that was the drive my, my grandfather was in world war ii he went to west point was a medic uh, actually, the wow. Battle of the Bulge, an incredible story we didn't even hear about until his last week of his life. And he came back from the war with privilege, like given, you know, my grandmother, before they met, she was living on a pig farm in Oakmulgee, Oklahoma. 
and he was on a yacht in the Hamptons with his family, like two completely different extremes. Wow. And yeah. he, when he came back from the war, his mom said, you're going to, you're going to go learn the craft of baking. So at that time it was a, it was a tech school. It was a baking school in Okmogi, which is about 40 miles south of Tulsa. And so he comes down with his car, fancy suit. And my grandmother was a Southwestern Bell telephone operator. <laughs> okay. And, you know, farm <laughs> like Okmogi still is maybe yeah. 80,000 people. That's where I was born, actually. And okay. they met. She actually didn't want anything to do with the city slicker. And he swooned her and, you know, wined and dined her and fell in love. And then they moved back in the Northeast. And so, the, again, the core value was was it doesn't matter the family owns the company, you're gonna start from ground zero because how can you expect to lead the company if you don't know exactly what their jobs are? So he had to start sweeping the, the bakery floor. Then he worked up through the company and to where he became the vice president of advertising. And wow. uh, after the, the company sold, uh, he became a, a sought after uh, executive in the baking industry, worked for a company called Roland Industries that um, they did the baking products for like Wendy's and other fast food chains. But he was also an interim professor at the Wharton School of Business in Philadelphia. And the, the nuggets that I got from him, you know, I'm a college dropout and couldn't afford to continue. Sure. The nuggets I got from him were very practical that I still hold true. Didn't really quite understand the value at that time in my early 20s. Who understands really much, yeah. but I remembered them and I began to really see them really root within me through my career as an athlete, as a cyclist and triathlete, uh, where the circle you keep, the people that you want to keep around you that that challenge you and sharpen you and uh, positively motivate you to want to achieve more. And it was those yeah. little tidbits because uh, I don't have, you know, there may be a lot of people that call me their you know, a great friend, that's because I listen, but sure. the people that are close in my circle are very small just because I, our greatest commodity that we forget about is attention. And, yeah. you know, our thoughts are what we become. We become what we dwell on. And so those little things, even in management, just the nuggets I learned from, from him. And I'm a very practical individual. I don't do well with theory and mm -hmm. entrepreneurship yeah. is all about practicality uh, because yeah. you, you just execute and you figure out what works and what doesn't. And I did a podcast a while back and I made a post where I, cause I firmly believe this, you know, everybody wants something they, they, you know, they want to, everybody wants to be a millionaire, right? Yeah. Uh, everybody wants to be a pro athlete. Everybody wants to be at the top of whatever game they can envision or dream about. Right. But how many right. people really put in the work to make it happen? Right. Yes. Entrepreneurship is a hot thing right now. You know, I saw a speech from Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, I think it was last year and uh, he was talking about entrepreneurship when he was in entrepreneurship people kept saying when are you going to get a real job <laughs> it was right. just you know that the mindset has shifted which i think is amazing at where we are yeah. because we can scale an idea very quickly and we'll find out if it works or doesn't very quickly too but yeah the real nature of an entrepreneur is everybody is one even if you're working as a mechanic if you're a lifeguard if you're slinging you know, hamburger patties and McDonald's, you're an entrepreneur because the, the, yeah. the core essence of an entrepreneur is, is you're a problem solver. Right. Right. An entrepreneur, because you don't have to be one to own a business. But yeah. I was speaking to a group and I said, look, you know, you come to your cubicle. If you come to your cubicle and you shift your mindset to understand I'm an entrepreneur, this is my company, my sphere, this is my thing. I'm the CEO of this and I have to be resourceful enough to number one, solve any problem that comes my way. And if I don't know that I'm resourceful enough to make it happen rather than right. deferring responsibility or using someone else as a scapegoat, because if you are in fact the business owner, it all falls on you. You know, if right. your team isn't performing well, well, that's my responsibility. 
right? It might be somebody's fault that they didn't do the job exceptionally well, but the responsibility as to why still falls on me. And so yes. rather than showing up to work and just punching in and then doing bare minimum, and then a year later expecting a raise for doing nothing more than what you were hired to do, and you're not right. solving problems, then you may say you want more in life, but you're not practically doing more to earn it. And so even with my kids, I'm 13 year old, 11 year old now, and a nine week old newborn. And you know, the, the practical aspects of something that you want in life, you know, kids are in sports and you know, how did your track meet go today? Well, I didn't do as well. Well, how come? Well, I just didn't feel it. Well, did you eat enough? Did you hydrate enough? How was your training been, right? What did you do to really earn improvement? Right? Yeah. So the practical aspects of that in entrepreneurship are there's always room for improvement no matter what you do. Um, you know, there are races that I had won as a cyclist and triathlete and, you know, it feels good, but I didn't do it for that. I actually enjoyed training more so than racing. <laughs> Um, sure. I loved waking up every day and going, you know, how far do I want to go? How fast? Because it's all my choice. Yep. Right. Absolutely. And uh, that day was a day to test my limits to see really how far I could go when I faced the clock. And when I looked at other people in, in triathlons, I thought this was amazing. I feel like I'm really putting in my best effort. And I would see a guy blow by me like I'm standing still when his age of 55 is on his cap. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> and he's like, have a good race, bro. Which yeah. was amazing, but it's like, okay, yeah. I'm not mad. I'm motivated because I see my potential. Right. Right. And that's where people, I think, get really caught up. They, they, they use comparisons in life as a negative when the only comparison that really should be given your attention is the comparison of yourself and how can you be better? Right. We're, we're, we're so critical of ourselves and that's where we do also set ourselves up to fail where we need to go, okay, how can I be better? I'm here. I don't want to be here. I want to be here. So how do I do that? Rather than focusing on mistakes, mistakes are lessons. There, people look at mistakes and failures as a, as a flag of saying you're incapable and that's right. bad conditioning, right? We've been listening to the wrong yeah. voices of people that are afraid. I think as anybody in business, entrepreneurship of any venture they've ever done as a sport, as a hobby, anything, and you've accomplished a lot, it's because you took the mistakes and go, oh, wow, I see how I could make that a little bit better. I could tweak this. I could tweak that. That's how over time you become a master at what you're doing, you know? Right. And you're not going to be a millionaire by the by the time you're 30 if you're not putting in the work today when you're 18. <laughs> yep. I asked three yeah. teenage boys that very thing, and I was like, "Who wants to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30?" Well, who wouldn't want to be right? Are right. you serious? Because why are you right now like wasting time on which pack of gum you're going to get? Like you're wasting energy on things that don't matter. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's a reason why I have nothing but black polos and then a handful of t-shirts in my closet. I don't waste energy figuring out what I'm gonna wear. Because if you spend 15 minutes a day determining what you're gonna wear that day, add that up over five days a week, over a month yep. and a year, you waste an entire work week on 15 minutes a day worrying about what you're gonna wear. That's ridiculous. Right. Right. And you look at what your yeah. what your value is in time. <laughs> you know, yeah. let me go to Old yeah. Navy, let me grab five black shirts, not every six months, and I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, man. Yeah. Now, one thing I want to ask is you own Tech Crew Media, which is a digital marketing company, but you also own apparel companies, you're a public speaker, and you just partnered up with former NFL player Chris Gronkowski, right? And with this ice shaker bottle, which is yeah. rad because Chris was on Shark Tank. So how'd that partner come together, man? And, and what are you going to be doing for him? Instagram. Okay. Come <laughs> we, on, man. I mean, you know, our family, we love Shark Tank. Uh, my daughter yeah. is a you know budding entrepreneur. She's already done her first little business, and okay. you know the whole you know my wife and I we were in the fitness industry for a long time. I started a, a 
one of the fastest growing fitness companies uh, back in 2014 um, that was all about bringing in athletes together that are at that elite level. It was amazing. And multi-million dollar company that scaled in uh, just over 40 countries in less than a year. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, so the fitness space was always really interesting to me. As a photographer for 14 years, I started off in fashion and then I got into sports and fitness and you know, as a guy that, you know, always been an athlete, uh, to be able to be around really the the Zeus level, you know, athletes of bodybuilding and fitness, it, it was, why wouldn't you want to start working out with these guys? Why wouldn't you want to start asking questions after a photo shoot? Can we work out together? And <laughs> yeah. when he came on with the, sh with, the, with the stainless steel shaker bottle, I mean, how many times have you had a shaker bottle that just, if you don't clean it out after you drink your pre-workout, your protein, it stinks like a dirty diaper. <laughs> yes. And his stainless absolutely. steel concept was really smart. And we connected because he actually liked one of my posts um, okay. about three weeks ago and just started some communication. So I'm going to look at doing some 35-day uh, uh, eye shaker bottles with him. So uh, he is such a nice guy. It, yeah. You know, when you reach out to him, he he's the one that communicates with you, you know, and he's... Yeah, he may be the the brother of the Gronk, but he's got his own thing. And yeah. you know, he just worked. He just did a video. He worked out with a guy that I've known for years named Quincy Whittington. Uh, then he worked out with Branch Warren in Dallas. And Chris is just a good dude. He's he's just a solid guy. So, but again, I attribute social media to be, to making that connection happen. And yeah. that's how I've been able to not only grow my companies like the fitness company I had years ago, uh, fitnessmodels.com, and then my photography business. I was a premium price photographer and I also worked with celebrities and it was all because of social media. So I, I looked at yeah. the ability to connect. I looked at the way that we could create a, a, a real conversation with a real person very fast. And because of all my experience and successes and failures over the years, I've always had a, an inherent knack when it comes to matchmaking in marketing because that's really what marketing is. It's a matchmaker with a business and then a customer. I understand people because I pay attention. I pay attention to behaviors. And, you know, I had a traditional agency years ago and it was, I was all about guerrilla marketing, which is what social media, the power of it. Sure. And so that's why I started yeah. Tech for Media. After uh, I, my business partner and I would, with fitnessmodels.com split, um, I went and uh, worked, I was chief strategist for an ad agency here in Houston, one of the largest ones. And I was not there very long before I realized uh, the traditional agency model is a sinking ship and they weren't willing to pivot with with the, what needed to happen which is also why right. every one of their clients was grossly unhappy so the knowledge that i had gained in all the businesses i had done plus with my i decide campaign which is now 35k there's a new way to help businesses scale and so i compiled one of the smartest teams when it came to digital and social and that's what became tech crew media two years ago so we help every that we're not niched in one particular industry because they're all suffering yeah. the same problems so learning how to do things right from a ninety thousand foot view again from a strategy foundation first then do what's what's necessary not just because people are doing it so you know it's really cool we get to work with the fortune 100s down to startups and a lot of times I strictly just give business owners the right information that they need to hear to make a good educated decision versus a sales pitch. I don't pitch any business. I'm going to give right. you straight facts. This is where you are. This is what needs to happen. And this is what you need to do. If you want us to help you, great. If not, give this to your team because this is what you need to do to dominate. That's how I do business. And that's why we're successful <laughs> because I'm not yeah. paying for business. I really sure. I see business owners suffer from salespeople giving them skewed data that's in the benefit of the agency or the marketer or the consultant. 
when they really haven't been punched in the face enough <laughs> yeah. to really know what works, what doesn't, and why you should and shouldn't do certain things. And so I feel like it's my obligation with the information I've learned over the years to sit down and really help businesses. Some hire us, others don't. They're like, Indy, thank you so much for this information. We're going to give this to our internal team. Great. You have questions? Let me know. Because I know in the long game, what I did is I built trust. Right. That's yeah. why people invest now. That's why people hire people because you they feel like you have a level of integrity that, they, that you're dependable, you know? Yep. So yeah, so that's yeah. what Tech for Media is. Come on. And I was going to ask, because uh, you had mentioned to me that there's just a lot of crap companies out there. <laughs> they're cookie cutters. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, you said you felt it was your obligation to go out and help these guys. Yeah. Why do you feel it is your ob obligation to go fix that and help those guys? Man, you know, when I sit and I, I talk to business owners, small and large, I hear the same problem. We hired this company and they just it was more about their billable hours than it was really smart help. And, you know, businesses, they don't mind investing. They're investing, but they're investing in the wrong things in the wrong ways. And gotcha. there are so many, you know, look, we're in an era where everybody's selling a masterclass webinar and they're doing it based on things that they read in a book, not things they've actually experienced. And so when I sit and I talk to business owners, I have so much empathy because I know the grind. I know the fear that it has when you've built a business where you, where you have employees. And if you don't keep that ship running, those people that have become your family and then also your own livelihood, there's that fear of what am I going to do next? And so right. these people that are quote unquote experts, when they don't understand the holistic 90,000 foot view of digital and social and the impacts they have positive and negative, you need to, you need to ramp up your game because you know, if you're a professional, then they're assuming you are the all-knowing. And right. if you're giving people mediocre service, you're not helping that business that when you think about it as a small business, even if you're a Fortune 100, that company started with the idea of one person, maybe two. And right. they had to bleed and grind and sacrifice for so long before they came to the point where they had enough money to invest and entrust somebody that didn't bleed with them. And yes. I think that's where so many businesses have lost sight of empathy is when somebody is going to spend money in B2B or even direct, direct to consumer. Yeah. If you forget that hard-earned dollar that the, the American made to be able to buy your t-shirt or buy your widget or buy whatever or buy your masterclass and you're looking to just scale money for giving as little as possible that's why they're not going to last but unfortunately people get right. burned so when i hear these stories of business owners getting burned I, one of my one of my favorite clients actually met him on a flight and it, it's and it's the only reason i fly i fly first class it's because you're sitting next to business or to decision makers yes you don't typically in coach <laughs> Right, so, absolutely. And first class has, has yielded an incredible ROI because I know that when I sit there, I'm sitting amongst my peers, number one, but two, I'm a talker and I will make a best friend in 15 minutes, right? Because honestly, <laughs> yeah. like I want to know about people. And if yeah. I'm in first class, where do you work? What do you do? How long have you been with them? Wow, that's amazing. Like, how did you get into that? And then sometimes they'll go, well, what do you do, Indy? Okay, now I got them, right? Right. So I'm going to ask yeah. very strategic questions because I know what we do, we can help most companies. Bottom line, I know that because I the skills of my team are freaking amazing and we all care. So yeah. that first class for me is not because I want to be luxurious. Now, look, it's nice getting a warm, you know, minty towel to wipe your face with, but <laughs> right. It's the people you sit next to. And yeah. uh, because again, I hate to hear people's horror stories of how they were taken advantage of. And in the marketing industry, it happens so often. And where we are now with digital social, we have metrics that we can look at, right? 
right. traditional agencies were caught up in creative ideas and the design of something, which is important. But where agencies get stuck is they're always wanting to get creative awards for their work. Well, if your creativity did not make that business more money, no award should be given because the only award that matters is your client going, that idea made us money. Right. So I don't submit yep. for awards. I think awards are stupid in the advertising yeah. industry. The only award sure. that matters is the client going, thank you, here's another check. Right, yep, absolutely. And so that's part of where my angst comes from in marketing is most marketing agencies, they they start off with, typically with the, with the greatest of intent. And then as they start to scale, they lose that. Yes. And it's a yep. problem because you, you uh, every everything you do growth, you start to gain a, a gap further and further away from the real heart of why it started. And so that's always going to be a challenge, but it's a commitment where you have to hire the right people that can help, that can help scale the heart and empathy. And that's how you're going to be able to succeed with it. Yeah. I was one of those guys who spent a lot of money on marketing, a lot of money on master classes. Spent, I mean, I launched my business in 2012 and it's been up and down, and but it's evolved. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely was that guy who was like, oh, here's a, you know, a shiny object syndrome, right? You know, like, oh, I want that, I want that. And now I'm like, as I'm getting older and I'm maturing and my business is maturing, I'm starting to go, I wasted a lot of time and a lot of money on the wrong things. And now we're starting to refocus everything and get, you know, everything lined up straight, man. So that's yeah. awesome stuff. Would love to hear from you. What are three things that entrepreneurs need to have to be successful? Number one, empathy. Number two, gratitude. And number three, patience. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Absolutely. What are things that motivate you to be successful? Me. Yeah. I, to be able to wake up each day and go the end of today the outcome is going to be up to me yes. and if it doesn't go the way that i want that's my, that's my fault that's on me yep. um that level of self-awareness that i gained several years ago was really the, the the largest pivot point in my entire life that changed everything my marriage professionally my determination uh, i learned a lot of this as an athlete uh, you know, you can't improve unless you put it into work. As a triathlete, yeah. as an endurance athlete, you're not going to see the results of your work for months, right, from the off season. So yeah. the 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 grind that I put in in November, December, January, February, I'm not going to see the results of that work until August if I really did it right. So there's a tremendous amount of per, of, of patience that that is critical for me. And so when I know that I have specific goals that I want to accomplish in my life, there's things that I want to do. It requires money and it requires me to be smarter. I pay attention every day. And you know, there are yeah. so many distractions that are going to pull from you to get your attention. And that's why, you know, 35 K is very much that awareness of, you know, we're making 35,000 decisions every day, whether you like it or not, right. how you react and act to everything. And if we're always being controlled by the environment, conditions, people, uh, circumstances, if those things are always gonna be triggers that cause us to react here, here, and here, we're a pinball. We're not in control. And right. when we harbor resentment to a person, that person's controlling us. When we allow attention in, in our brains to, to stick on what you didn't get, then you're always gonna be finding yourself never getting much in life because you're always focused on what you don't have versus what you do. And right. that perspective, that, that, that mentality is so binary. And so I catch myself all the time. I'm like, God, I really hate it when, wait a minute, shut up. Why do you hate it? Because that's actually an outcome of one of your own uh, really bad decisions. Shit. Right. Okay. I need to go back and I need to reframe it because it's continually, you're continually evolving your mindset because that is the most powerful thing we have. And the thing that, that most people that are, that aren't progressing in life, they're not finding success to be a habit is because they're letting the world control their thoughts. Yes, absolutely. And when I realize the gravity 
of our attention internally, our internal narrative, our internal dialogue, we don't realize how negative we have become and how we have allowed conditions from our past and our present to control where we're headed. Right. It's like being a ship in the ocean with no rudder and no sail. And you wonder why people say, what? Well, gosh, how did I end up here? Well, because your decision <laughs> right. are your rudder and yeah. your sail in both yep. how you act and react. And so if you're not ending up in the places you want in life, you're not the one making the decisions. Look, I've been married twice before, right? right. I've, I've been fired from jobs. I've been laid off. I, I've, I've had to leave places. and of all these things that are happening, I was caught up there for a bit going, why is this happening to me? I was playing the victim when I right. forgot the fact that I'm the common denominator. Oh shit, exactly. this is on me. Yeah, okay, it might be, again, it might be somebody's fault they did this or that, but the reactions are on me. My actions as a result of are on me. It's Jocko Willink's extreme ownership. If you don't take extreme yeah. ownership of your life, then you're going to be a victim the rest of your life. There is no respect to being a victim. Right. And that binary practical part of my life of, and I think at 46, I turned 46 in August, I'm really coming out of the tunnel after halftime. I, yeah. I you know, the, the first part of my life was where, you know, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to fail, but there, there has to come a part, a, a point in your life, even if you're 18. If somebody took what I'm saying right now at 18 years old, they were like, oh shit, this is life-changing. I'm gonna put this to work. They would be light years ahead of where you and I are. <laughs> if yes, they absolutely. They made it work. And I, I was talking to somebody yesterday and you know, with social is amazing because we're exposed to so many great positive messages, right? But how many people keep reposting things that are positive that sounds, that sounds great? And all they're doing is hoarding motivation, right? right? Now we see the show Hoarders, right? You, you keep hoarding, <laughs> collecting all these things because you think it sounds good. It makes me good. It makes me look good. It makes me look motivated. But when you actually talk right. to the person, when you see how they comment, when you see the stories they share, you actually see as, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. There's a scripture that says out of the mouth, the heart speaks. So you can see by a person's actions and how they're talking. Are they really motivated? Are they really self-driven? Are they really positive? Or, or is that a mask? And so I'm actually gonna be doing a challenge here soon with 35K of over the next seven days, take three motivational posts that really hit to the core. And then for the next 35 days, put them to work. Come on. Right? Because That's now awesome. you're actually a practitioner of life. Now you're not collecting. Now you're going, okay, wow, I see where I could really benefit from the application of that. And I'm going to put that to work, you know, and because we're so hypercritical all the time, which is crazy to me when we're the one voice that is always consistent, I'm going to be doing another challenge soon where it's going to be every day you write down 35 positive things that you've accomplished, that you've done, and that have really like gotten you going because yeah. it, people are like 35, that's a lot. Yes, it is a lot, but you know what? It's so many that it's going to drown out the volume of the negative criticisms. Yes. And it allows you now to focus on what you need to be focusing on, the things that you're accomplishing, the things that you have, the things that you're doing that's creating change in a positive way. So because, yeah. again, I, again, I'm a practitioner, which is what I love about Andy Frazilla's 75 Hard, is it puts people to a state of, of responsibility and integrity. You know, right. And there are a lot of people that probably didn't follow it to a T and continued, and that just reflects their own level or, or lack of integrity. But the people that kind of owned – I didn't do the progress photo or I didn't get the 10 pages or whatever that shows a level of, of a person that they really do want to see progress in their life. Sure. You know, they just, people aren't, people need blueprints. Yeah. There are a lot of people out there giving disinformation. A lot of the masterclass webinars of people that have really not tried and failed and figured it out and become better. 
they're just regurgitating what they hear. It's like a revolving door of information. They probably took all the notes from a master class and goes, I'm going to do my own. Right. right. Yeah. That is, that's in an essence where a lot of this really comes from for me and what motivates me. You know, I see, you know, my son Kagan at 13. I mean, I'm looking at my son 13 years old. For me at 13, I have vivid memories of being 13. And I'm like, okay. man, you know what? I had a really abusive mom. I, I had a, a, a dad who was really focused on his ministry and he was working three jobs and we were broke as hell. And, you know, I think, man, the lessons like if, if I would have been shared certain things in my life at his age, how that would have helped me overcome some unnecessary struggles. Yeah. So yep. I just try to be a practical parent because of that, because that motivates me to really go when I, everything that I've learned, I feel I'm obligated to share to him. And then if I run across somebody, this wristband, dude, I decide wristband, I've given so many of these away off my wrist because when yeah. I meet somebody, it's like, oh my God, what an incredible story here. Use this, right? You yeah. personify what this is about. Let this be a reminder that every time you face something hard, it's your choice how you're going to respond. You know, and yeah. the quote that I have down my spine, the tattoo that I think you saw the post that I made, when all yeah. else fails, I won't, is that resolute truth that we all, if we adopted that into our life, it would dramatically change the outcomes of our mindset and the things that we're actually achieving in life because it's so black and white, you know? Yep. That yes, yeah. people are always going to fail you. Circumstances are never going to go ideal. They're never going to go your way. Just like the computer was having some struggles. Say, but you know what? I'm going to figure it out, right? Yep. Just have a little patience. Yep. Dude, I love the fact that you're like, man, I really do apologize. Well, it's not necessary, man. I don't get caught up in shit like that. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. That kind of negativity is a waste of time. You know, right. people that have a short temper or something like that, and if they're like, oh, we just got to reschedule, that person is really immature, right? Yeah. Why, yep. why are you going to let something like that get you off kilter? You know what? Just adjust. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I'm, I'm sitting there working while, you know, getting your thing booted up. I don't care. <laughs> you know, totally. The, the life, yeah. the life journey we have is not worth getting taken off course because of all these little minor things. Yeah, but people yeah. choose to allow those things to affect them. Yep, absolutely. And I think Tony Robbins said it first, but maybe Ed Milet kind of took it too, but he says, life happens for us, not to us, mm -hmm. you know? And it's just, a, it's a thing that I have on my wall over here. And I just know that it, every day when I get up, I'm reading through that. I'm, I'm going through my daily mantra. I want to do some rapid fire questions with you, if that's all right. Absolutely, man. Let me get a cup of, let me get a sip of coffee then, jeez. Come on, yeah, yeah, for sure. What time do you wake up in the morning? It kind of varies, usually about six. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm a 4 a.m.er, but I'm also in bed by 8.30 or 9 years like oh, yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, do you do the cold shower thing? Yeah. You do? Sure do. Okay. Love it. Full shower or just like the last minute or so of it? No, straight up. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I did it for the month of May and it was brutal at the first, but uh, uh, ended up with the last month where I was taking the full showers of cold, man. And it woke me up. Loved it. Look, man, it is a practical way to get up and get started. Yeah. You're in control yeah. of your momentum. And that's one of the great things yep. to do. Absolutely. Uh, does it take money to make money? Yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, even yeah. if it's $5 to buy a domain name. Yes. Right. Because we only have Absolutely. three commodities, time, energy, and money. Yep. And you got to sacrifice yep. something to be able to get something else. Yep. Exactly. What's your favorite kind of music or do you have a favorite band that you listen to? <laughs> uh, it's a little funny. I'm kind of all over the place a little bit because, you know, music is all about mood, right? Yes. Um, and so sometimes I listen to classical. A lot of times when I'm doing research and I'm writing, I'm actually listening to like EDM hip hop beats. My wife and I both love EDM. She's actually been to EDC a couple of times, but I, I love I love old school hip hop, but I also love the big hair metal bands. <laughs> Def Leppard, Come on. White Snake. Yeah. And, but then like I, I die hard Metallica too. So it, it's okay. like, 
I you can't go because if you look at my playlist, it is all over the place. Okay. <laughs> but if yeah. I'm working out, it's either gonna be a mix of like Slipknot. <laughs> okay. Come on. <laughs> or yeah. some hip hop. It's just it's funny. But then when the kids work out with me, I gotta like do the clean version on Spotify. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I've had to learn to adjust my my listening uh, choices when the kids are around for sure. <laughs> <laughs> However, they know all the words to Chicken Fried by Zach Brown Band, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> Right? Yeah, that's awesome. What book are you reading right now? It's called Victory. Reading for me is is huge. And, you know, my kids read every day. Uh, they usually, they're reading typically two books at the same time, like one for like reading comprehension and one for just entertainment. I just got three in, like Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink I read a few months ago, I read again. That was the okay. first book that I actually read cover to cover. Because normally I read maybe 80% of the book, then I've gotten the gist of it. And then I'm like, over it. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> um, three books that I just got. Uh, Lynchpin. Okay. Oh, yeah, here it is. Victory Favors the Fearless by Darren Donnelly. Yes. The Bottom of the Pool and then When. Okay. So these are my next three reads for the next month. You know, for me, I was telling my kids this last night. Books are an incredible thing because they're your own library of reference. And, yes. you know, you have this huge library up here. And if every time you read a book, you add one to your shelf and yeah. it helps expand your knowledge and your attention to something that can give you uh, a great example when you're going through something. Oh, I remember when I, you know, this quote, man, that can get you through a, a you know, a tough time or it can give yeah. you that nugget for business or, you know, finance or whatever. So I'm, there was about two or three years where I didn't really read as much. And I got back into it because I just, you know, yes, I love to get on and surf social media, but I love to sit down and get somebody's take on something. Yes. You know, so yeah. Yes. So right now it's Victory Favors the Fearless. Great book. Darren Donnelly has a series that's really sports analogies to, because this is Defeat the Seven Fears that Hold You Back. Uh, so okay. he uses these great sports analogies uh, to kind of communicate some really good truths in really cool ways. Um, the other one that I awesome. read was uh, Think Like a Warrior. That was the first book I read by Darren. Really, really fantastic. And if you're a football fan, you'll love it. But that that's I have a, an entire book. I have an entire bookcase of books that I just read. And then yeah. um, sometimes I give them away uh, to people that uh, you know, hey, you might check this book out. So sure. that's all. And you actually made a post on Instagram of two Darren Donnelly books and the Jocko Wilson book, Extreme Ownership. And I was at a hospital. My daughter was having surgery. And I saw that post. And I was like, do those books look awesome? Just ordered them right there on my phone. <laughs> So thank you for the suggestion. They're in my queue next. I'm yep, yep. uh, going to be starting them. So thank you so much for that post. Jocko, you know, uh, um, Jocko, that book, Extreme Ownership, should be a must read for anybody. Yeah. Period. Yes, he's a retired Navy SEAL. Yes, he is hardcore. But that guy, to be a, to be a commander of a Navy SEAL uh, 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 team, there are no excuses. Like if somebody right. dies, that's on you because yes. your team are following orders. And if you're not thinking clearly, if you're not thinking correctly, the ripple effect comes back to you. And right. his stories, yes, they are battle driven, but I think any gender can get a benefit from that book, especially if, you know, for college graduates, for new hires, I think every company, it should be mandatory that everybody read that book. Yeah. Period. The other ones are amazing because they help break down really good truths in, in sports analogies, but Extreme Ownership is a phenomenal book for anybody, especially in leadership. Awesome. I also wanted to give you an opportunity to give a shout out to families, friends, anybody like that on the show that you just wanted to give a shout out to. You want to make sure they got out on the video there for you. I, mean, I think, first of all, my, my best friend, my wife. <laughs> yeah. 
truly a blessing to have her, but uh, she's funny. She has an Instagram, Taylor Tries It. Um, that's hilarious. She just tries different random things. She's actually, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so uh, she just started working full-time for my company, and that's okay. one of the things she's going to focus on is that product because it's actually a great business development tool. <laughs> um, sure. So she's, she's just a lot of fun. My buddy Joe, he's uh, Mr. Nutrition in uh, Houston, owns a supplement shop, uh, good dude, um, which is why his company's called Mr. Nutrition. Uh, he's okay. on Instagram and Facebook. Gosh, I'm trying to think. Chris Gankrowski with Ice Ice Shaker Cup. And I, I think, you know, Andy and I go way back to about 2013, 2014, and before he was a big deal, before he was the MFCEO, and when he and I were first rapping just about our stories. And when I first learned about his story about getting stabbed in the face, and I think a shout yeah. out to Andy because, you know, in, a, in, a, in an industry that was so saturated and with so many what I call bro brands, uh, people, you know, buying supplements from China, mix them in their garage, Andy's approach to the supplement industry and how he approached growing his brand and how we stayed true to it is a great case study for any business that wants to step into a business that they feel is already saturated to give them a glimmer of how to do things right. There still comes down to the personalities and and the heart, and that's what drives a business. And you and that's where companies struggle is duplicating the heart, not just the product. Right. And yeah. I think Andy's done a really good job because he's surrounded himself with the with, with the right people, not yes people, but the right people that yeah. have kept him in check and have kept his company in check and has allowed it to, to scale at a pace that allowed them to maintain scaling heart. Yeah. So big Absolutely. shout out to him. Not because he's not because he's Mr. Popular, but because yeah. he's in an industry that if you get so focused on sales, you lose the, the quality of the heart that made that grand bro in the first place. Right? Yes. Man, it has been an honor to speak to you today. Oh, I'm gosh, so uh, excited. Thank you for taking time, man. It's so good. There's so much good stuff on this interview, man. I'm excited to put it out. Uh, well, I'm glad it was beneficial. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> man. And it was great to get to know you a little bit more. So thank you, man. Oh, man, definitely. And uh, we'll definitely talk about some doing some things together. I, okay. You know, I never take these connections uh, lightly in whatever we can always do to help each other in whatever we're pursuing. That's where I always feel I'm obligated in life. You know, when you cross a path with a person, I don't believe things happen for a reason. I believe things happen and you give it a reason, right? Yes. Right. And uh, every time I connect with somebody like this, it all of a sudden there's now a, a true connection. And I don't ever want to see that pass because it's always for a, a purpose in life that I want to yeah. make a reality. You know, every fork has a purpose. You just have to pick it up and use it for that purpose, right? So every yeah. relationship is going to have a purpose that we can that we can build on. So that's why I love this. And it, it means Absolutely. a lot, Eric, that you reached out because that's – for me, it you know you, you get likes, you get followers, you get comments. It's great, but that's why I always take the time to send a direct message through Instagram whenever somebody follows 35k because it means a lot to me. And yeah. you know the fact that you just gave me your attention when I know attention means a lot. I want to make sure that people know. I, first of all, I saw that. Thank you. And wow, like kind of tell me about you too. <laughs> you know, yeah, because that's how you yeah. build meaningful relationships. So it means a lot, man. It really does. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Have a great day. You too, brother. Thank you so much for watching the show. Please subscribe to our channel. Would really appreciate that if you could. Please Please give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. And please check back. We're always bringing on awesome people for the Top Rated MMA Show and entrepreneurs, world changers, and success-minded people for the Bearded Biz Show. Thanks so much. Have an awesome day.